So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Inside the Mind of Champions. Today I'm going to take a slightly different approach based on the feedback and notes I received after the last episode, Rethinking Downtime. It really sounds like we've triggered some interesting questions on parallel topics like well-being, sleep and motivation. So we definitely need to explore those further and today is going to be all about maintaining your mojo in difficult times. The questions and messages I received I love to get because I want to make this as tailored as possible for you so that it really brings value and helps you in your own lives and your own careers. So please do keep them coming through LinkedIn and email at hello at sportingedge.com. As ever I wanted to start by saying a massive thank you to those of you who took that extra 60 seconds to press the five star rating, the review on Apple Podcasts and also to uh, give me that uh, all important review so that I can see what you're taking benefit from. Uh, I know it's easy just to switch off your phone, but I really appreciate you taking that extra 60 seconds to leave those comments. So the first one comes from Richard Shelley, who said it's uh, superb and informative. Uh, listening to the podcast on rethinking downtime definitely described the emotions that I'd been feeling over the last few months. Thanks, Richard. Uh, Ian Douglas said, excellent episode with Brodie. Love the style. Definitely subscribed. Rob Archer, an excellent podcast. No better way to start your day. Valuable insights and more importantly, practical actions. Thanks, Rob. I'll definitely try and get as many practical takeaways as we can. It's all about you being able to employ some of these high performance habits in your own lives and careers. So that's definitely where I want to take it. We've got N. Gibson, another five-star review. Thanks very much. Don't miss a minute. He said, unlike many listeners who say they're off on a dog walk or running, doing something else, uh, I need a pen and paper to take down these precious nuggets of inspiration. So thanks so much for leaving those comments. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that time you're taking. We should also celebrate the fact that together we got the podcast to number one in Nepal this week. So if you're listening in from the Himalayas, thank you so much on top of the world, just like you to see that. So thanks so much. So as uh, people were sending those messages in on LinkedIn about how to rethink our downtime and, and how it stirred some reflections and inspired people to take their downtime more seriously, it was great to read this and I felt compelled 
to make this session even more bespoke and helpful to you. So I put a question out on LinkedIn to say, you know, what would you value the most around motivation? And today's going to be the focus of those specific questions. And I really hope you're going to find these insights from our digital library helpful. I think the community that we're starting to build here is ambitious, honest and hungry to learn how these high performers really deal with the psychological challenges that we're all facing at the moment. So as ever, I'll do my best to be your guide, sharing my take on these strategies, along with some of my own experiences. So here's a taste of what's to come today. I suppose to sustain motivation for long periods, you have to look at things long term and short term at the same time. I might not be very motivated to go and train in the rain or the cold, but I actually go and do it because I'm committed. It is just the ability to unremittingly grind out the work, knowing that you, not every morning you wake up, is it going to be the most exciting day of your life. Uh, there is nothing at the end of that day that is going to be flashbulbs and, and headlines. And straight away you're like, oh, I'm not going to get through it. Everyone else is going to move on. But you do, you just have to think backwards. Hang on, I've been this, through this before and I popped out the other end fine, just as strong. So let's get right to the heart of today's topic, which is staying motivated in times of challenge and adversity. How do we reconnect and find our mojo and maintain it? The first listener question comes from Stuart, who dropped me a note saying, like lots of people, I'm applying for jobs at the moment and not getting many replies due to the volume of application companies are getting. How can I stay motivated? So it's obviously a, you know, a really, really important time with so much turbulence in the workplace at the moment and the market for employment. It's firstly a, a sort of a reminder to all companies of any size that um, if you're involved in recruiting, we need to get some kind of acknowledgement and some kind of news out there, because as we're hearing from Stuart, no news is bad news from the applicant's perspective. And, you know, it can be incredibly demoralizing to keep putting, you know, applications in left, right and center and getting nothing back. I can appreciate this is a really tough situation. And I'm sure you're not alone, Stuart. Your question reminded me of a great insight, actually, from the famous cycling coach from Team GB and, and Team Ineos, Sir Dave Brailsford. So just let me find that for you. I was, um, I was privileged to spend a morning with Sir Dave Brailsford a few years ago, and I found his thoughts on performance so interesting. In this particular insight, he highlights the subtle but important difference between motivation and commitment. And I think this has got increased relevance for all of us based on this current business climate. Commitment's the key. Motivation fluctuates up and down. You know, but a person who's committed, you know, somebody will say, oh, I've got no motivation today, but they'll still go and train hard. They'll still work hard because they're committed. You know, so motivation could be low, but the commitment still can, can still remain very, very high. I might not be very motivated to go and train in the rain or the cold, but I actually go and do it because I'm committed. So I think we work very hard at understanding commitment and what people, you know, are people really committed to what they've undertaken? You know, there is, there is, as you said earlier, you know, there is um, people expected to progress. There are certain, you know, targets you're expected to hit um, if you want to be the world's best. But that comes with a territory. You've decided, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Athletes or Miss Athlete, that this is the, the, the route that you've chosen. And with that, there are some 
you know, things that you have to accept and, and progressing is going to be one of them. You know, discipline and, and adherence to training is another one. And um, so I think, you know, the the whole emphasis on commitment can't be overstated. If you're, if an athlete isn't intrinsically driven towards the goal, whatever it is, be it, be it Olympic champion, wanting to be the best, not wanting to fail, whatever it is, you know, if they're not intrinsically driven towards that goal, you can't reach inside and switch the switch on. If it's not on, it's not on. It doesn't matter how talented they are. So we, we try to screen out those athletes who are talented but not committed. Or alternative, those who are super committed with maybe not the best talent, but they're going to give you, they want it so bad that they're going to compensate nearly for the lack of talent. So I think that commitment screen is absolutely vital at the start. So it's normal to have days when we're fizzing to get going and other days when we feel frazzled before we've even started. That's our motivation waxing and waning in a normal cycle. But it's what we do when we feel low that's absolutely critical here. Without the external emotional boost of rewards and recognition, we're left trudging along that long, desolate, dusty road, seemingly all alone. It's easy to feel like giving up but we need to change our perspective and our measurement of success. This is where our intrinsic motivation comes in. Rather than basing our mood on what happens externally, we need to take more satisfaction from doing the right thing on a difficult day. Where our weaker self would turn into the victim and would stop, we need to stay committed to the process, writing and sending out high-quality applications in this particular context because that's the right thing to do. If we find the areas with the most potential for job opportunities or sales opportunities and keep making good connections and building good relationships, then our luck surely has to change. So it's this patience and commitment which isn't often celebrated. We talk about the outcomes and the flashing lights and the overnight success a lot in the media, but if it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. The next question came from Jennifer, which is related. As someone who's just finished a postgraduate degree, how can I stay motivated when there's no current opportunity for progression? Well, again, firstly, congratulations on completing this postgraduate degree. I'm sure that's taken, you know, a a huge sacrifice over recent months. So you've obviously put a, a great shift in. And now is the time to celebrate. Remember to do that, otherwise we're on a one-way ticket to burnout. You've just achieved this incredible degree and you're in the top few percent of the workforce. So make sure you take a breath and enjoy that. Remember that insight from last episode from Dr. John Coates in episode 16. The perfect way to build resilience is acute stress followed by a period of recovery. Then acute stress followed by another period of recovery. The downtime from the intensity is just as important in that cycle as what you achieve in the working phase. So just like the pause in great music or the silence between the words of a great speech, we need to see the pause and the celebration as just as important a part of the project. So then when the dust has settled, no doubt you'll still be restless, Jennifer, just remember that you're the CEO of your own performance company. So insert your name as X Performance Limited. 
and every choice you make through the day is going to affect your share price. And I know it's going to feel a little bit frustrating, like you're you're revving up to take a, a bigger role and it sounds like the time and the place isn't quite right at the moment. So we need to channel our energy into something more productive. So this example from Anna Richards, she's from New Zealand Women's Rugby, the Black Ferns. Anna is their most capped player of all time and played in four World Cups. This is her reflection on how she used short and long-term goals to sustain her motivation during challenging times. I suppose to sustain motivation for long periods, you you have to look at things long-term and short-term at the same time. So long-term, what am I aiming at? Am I aiming at a World Cup? Am I aiming at National Provincial Championships? Okay, then short-term, you're looking like, well, this year, what are our, what what are we playing in? And, and if we're playing in this, what do I want to achieve this year? And you break it down into little components, like this year I'm going to work on um, my left box kick, this year I'm going to do this. So I used to have, during a year, um, things that I wanted to work on skill-wise, and then there'd be things I wanted to work on competition-wise, and then a long-term, four-year cycle was your um, World Cup. So kind of both, short and long-term. So while some people drift or those with a victim mindset blame circumstances, people or slump down into a frustrated heap, the champion with the winning mindset understands their long-term goal can sometimes get a bit blurry and distant. For example, getting promoted in your particular example, but then they refocus and take control of the short term. So the equivalent is looking to implement and test some of the theory and ideas that you've learned during your postgraduate program into your current role. Maybe it's finding a mentor in a gap where you think you've still got a, you know, shortcoming in your skill set. Or maybe there's fresh ways to stretch yourself. Maybe your business would be open to you working part time with a, a startup or a charity. Maybe you could shadow a senior leader or, or, you know, work in a different department for one day a week for a period just to get that overall sense of a different challenge within the business. So that ability to lead that is going to be really important rather than letting it get to frustrate you and knock you down. So remember that mindset of being the CEO, take control of your own destiny wherever you can, even if your business aren't so supportive of it at the moment for their own reasons try and find new challenges for your own learning your own development and stretch yourself all the time so that you feel like you're moving forward lots of people have been in touch recently to see if they can access our digital library of interviews for themselves and traditionally we've only really developed large corporate solutions but myself and the team at sporting edge are really excited about our new members club which gives you personal access to our insights. Here's a little bit more on how you can get involved in being one of the first people to access this incredible library. During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro-lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums and events. 
Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So that's coming soon and it will allow you to find inspirational content and performance solutions whenever you need them. So let's get back to the questions today. Andy wrote to me and asked, how do you stay motivated when you've been let down by people who you thought were on your side? And Graham asked, how do you stay motivated when you can't see any positive results in the short term? So just the tone of these questions, I can feel your frustration. Firstly, Andy, when you've been let down, that's really tough, especially when it's somebody close to you or somebody that you trusted. The only thing I could say is that the current situation with all the pressure and and threat that it brings to people, people under pressure, they start to think about financial, emotional and sort of strategic challenges that they're facing. And that whole uncertainty is at a completely unprecedented level. No one's seen anything like this before. And we've got to remember that pressure makes people, all of us actually, short term and think about self-preservation. So it's our survival instinct kicking in ultimately when we, you know, think about ourselves and survival in the short term. So if you have got a colleague or a friend that's let you down, it could be that they're just coming from a place where they feel like they've got to put themselves first. Otherwise, they won't get through this. And our challenge is to try and do the right thing during these difficult times, to be honest, to be fair and to try and think about these long term relationships, because it's easy to you know be snappy and and dismissive and and cut things off in the short term but this time will pass and no matter what industry we're in whether it's sport education academia business these long-term strong relationships will be absolutely fundamental to us so those strong relationships will withstand the pressures so if we can help people now and invest in those relationships now then you can rely on those relationships for years to come. Graham, your question was more about dealing with setbacks and disappointment. So I'm going to search through how to handle setbacks. Let me just type that in here. And in our library, let's see what pops up. And I can see there's lots of great people, but this one springs to mind here from South African cricketer and uh, international coach who actually won the Cricket World Cup with India. It's Gary Kirsten talking about he's handled emotional setbacks in his career. The emotional setback is tough for, for people to deal with. And, and, and again, I just go back to my own experiences. I think there were times where, you know, I really battled through them, where I went through a period of, of bad form. Um, but I think there's a, there's a word that, that becomes more relevant to you the more experiences you have, and that's perspective. And uh, we try and gain more perspective the more experiences that we have, and I think it naturally happens. You start to see life in a different way. You start to have slightly different priorities, and people say, well, that's not a, is that a cop-out? Because you're a professional sportsman, you've got to keep performing. Of course, but you learn to, um, in, that, in that perspective, you learn to understand that by having perspective helps you in your performance. And when we don't have that perspective and we're living our life through every performance, um, the more we fail, the tougher it gets because we realize this is my life. And if I can't perform here, I'm not a success as a human being. But if you have something else to turn to, that during the bad performance, you still have this to grab onto. 
then I think emotionally we can deal with the results and the performances better. And I think the, the more experience that I as a player, the more perspective I had, it allowed me to handle this better. Um, again, it's not foolproof because we all want to do well in our chosen career, um, but it certainly helped me. So you'll remember some of the insights from the Entrepreneurs podcast in episode 12 about how our work can take over our identity. So when we experience a setback at work, it feels like it affects our whole life. As a business owner myself, I can speak very honestly about this trap and we need to find other ways to value ourselves when our work isn't working. As a cricketer that wasn't scoring runs, you know, my mood would drop and I had to try and be a mentor to other people. I was studying at the time and, and that actually helped me to sort of almost diversify my interests and, and show competence or value or investment in those areas because it gave me some self-esteem back. So you're not a bad person uh, because your performance drops, but we could be if we get too intense. So I think one of the key elements here is to look for ways, a release, uh, something that we can invest in, some people that we can help so that it takes the pressure off us if our results aren't coming through in the short term. And Gary speaks about that ability to step back and say, how else can I use this day? How else can I judge my self-worth? And I think that's going to be of critical importance during this period when the shit's hitting the fan left, right and centre. The toughest thing to take about the current context is it's not your fault. It's not our fault. It's just a dramatic shift in circumstances. For athletes, a career-threatening injury brings this same kind of emotions. It's like you're falling behind not only your potential, but also your rivals. So it can bring this incredible frustration that builds and builds like a volcano. So let me go back to that search string of, of setbacks that I found in the video library and find this insight. Yeah, here we go. It's a gold medalist from the Vancouver Winter Olympics in the skeleton, Amy Williams. And she reflects back on the times during her career when she got hit by those terrible and frustrating injuries. And it seemed so unfair. This is Amy Williams. I've had a lot of different little setbacks, some big, some small. For an athlete and for me, I found getting a bad injury was a massive one. It was actually a year and a half, or just under two years, I had a, a knee operation before the Olympics. And all of a sudden, there I was on crutches, not being able to move, not being able to train. All the other girls were around me training really, really hard. And it's a really hard thing to cope with when you're still alongside them in the gym, but there you are, you can't even walk up and down the stairs. But yet you, you do get through it. And, you know, with the help of all the goal setting and your coach being supportive, you get through it. And then all of a sudden you're back to being in full fitness. I then, um, the season before the Olympics, had another injury, really bad crash on, um, on a track. And straight away, you're like, oh, I'm not going to get through it. Everyone else is going to move on. But you do, you just have to think backwards. Hang on, I've been this, through this before and I popped out the other end fine, just as strong. And that gives you the confidence to know that you can get through it. Um, you know, whether it's then the same as in your work that you, you change positions in a job or you change jobs completely. 
and the dauntingness of it and that kind of scariness of how am I going to do this? And just going back a few steps, whether it's a year, two years, last month or, you know, longer, shorter, that you've had similar situations and you, you need to use that as, as confidence to know that you can get through it. You did it before. There's a certain process of that and, you know, you'll get through it again and you'll probably be an even stronger person than you were the first time. And I, I've had that before and it's tough at the time, but if you know you will pop out the other end and you always do, it will always be for the better and for the stronger, stronger person that you'll become. When we're immersed in the emotional turmoil of the setback, it's easy to lose perspective and to remember that we've dealt with some pretty horrific setbacks in the past. Look at how we've recovered from those changes and tough times because that could be the secret to avoiding the pit of despair and sliding into that today. So for you personally, can you remember a time when you moved schools or moved jobs? Maybe you moved to a new city or had a fallout with somebody at work or a personal relationship. Maybe you made a big mistake. What did you do? What did that feel like? How did you overcome that? Because those skills we've used before and we might need those again. Did you call a friend? Did you give yourself a deadline and say, right, I'm going to be grumpy until Wednesday and then that's it, I'm going to crack on? We've got to be aware of those signals. Maybe we started to drink too much or eat too much or stop exercising and we became reclusive. We've all experienced those tough times and I know so many people have written in to me and said that this is really tough. That's why I'm trying to focus this episode as well on trying to navigate this uncertainty in this really challenging period. But we do know that every time we've been through these tough periods, we emerge stronger. And this is what the psychologists call post-traumatic growth, almost like a bone that gets broken and then becomes thicker and stronger after the break as it heals. We need a new reference point with that painful low. And now because we've been through that, we can look down on it and say, okay, well, I'm stronger than I used to be. That was a, a you know, a, an episode that really galvanized my resilience around it. So maybe for some of us, it's strange to think about it, but this will be the toughest challenge we ever face in our lives. Maybe your business has been failing, or maybe you've been sacked from a job that you loved and it seems so unfair. But having that belief that we will be able to find a way through this challenging period and we will be so proud of ourselves because the story that we will tell everybody, you know, will be so powerful. Um, and that's what's going to help us to stay motivated while we're in the thick of this fog. So think about how you're going to transcend it. Think about where you've been in the past and how you can pull those strands of resilience back together and weave them together into a bit of a plan today to bolster your confidence, bolster your resilience and give you that purpose and that spark that you need to get through the next week, get through the next month and then things are going to start to look brighter. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to Sporting Edge's Members Club. It's an amazing opportunity to join our network of high performers from around the world. Over the last decade, we've created this pioneering library of video insights and performance strategies from the world's best thinkers and performers. But we've never really had a solution that gives you 
direct access to this whenever you need it. So when you become a member, you'll be able to access this incredible toolkit to boost your mindset and career on demand on any device. You'll hear from neuroscientists helping you to understand how your brain works. You'll be able to watch Olympians giving you inspirational stories and strategies to boost your resilience and rekindle your motivation. And you'll also hear from communication gurus as well as experts in business strategy and the future of the workplace. We'll introduce you to new experts every month and invite you to join exclusive online mastermind sessions with world-class coaches and performance experts. So here's how you can find out more. During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from elite sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. So if you're a coach, entrepreneur or executive looking for strategies to navigate the future with confidence, come and learn more about Sporting Edge Members Club at sportingedge.com forward slash membership. I look forward to welcoming you to our high performance network. Let's make sure we stay connected to each other as well and keep talking and keep moving. Remember depression, which is the worst state to get in, wants us to cut ourselves off. It wants us to throw alcohol and sugary food and toxins down our throat and just to stagnate on the sofa. That's what depression wants us to do. It's like a straitjacket. But the last thing it wants to do is for us to rise up and take control in the next 10 minutes, in the next hour, to get up, to get into the fresh air, to go for a walk or a run, to eat healthily, drink lots of water. And then when we return from that afterglow to start planning about how we're going to get even stronger, we need to fight that darkness and that depression, no matter where we are on that scale, one choice at a time one hour at a time, one day at a time. And I really hope that today you'll be able to do that. I received a really touching note from Richard who emailed me at hello at sportingedge.com by his own admission, an unfit 53-year-old whose wife had challenged him on the couch to 5k activity challenge during lockdown. And he had to share a picture of his run Uh, with his social network after each run that he'd been on. And he was delighted to see that it worked. He'd lost loads of weight and even got featured in a local radio station. So a real superstar for getting off the couch. But after that period of the challenge was over, his motivation waned again and left him. It's an interesting reflection on the power of community and the role of social support and what that plays in helping us to stay motivated and to keep our mojo alive. So whether it's proving people wrong, not letting them down or showing that we can stay true to those commitments we've publicly stated, it's a really good idea to share those ideas. So as you listen to this, you may be thinking, yeah, that's a bit like me. I need other people to keep me at my best. And so many of us do. 
So another good practical strategy is to think about making a date, making a commitment and sharing it with your closest friends. It only needs to be small. You don't need to do an ultra marathon or something unless you're already in that kind of nick. But this is about small steps. So make a small commitment, set a date and share that with your close friends. You'll need that peer pressure to beat the duvet on those cold mornings and get up and get moving. Or maybe it's a deadline for a new project that you've been putting off at work. I think, you know, so many of us are procrastinating, hoping that the world will turn around and come back to normal. Well, I wouldn't wait too long. I think it's about us taking control of these projects and smashing them out, you know, under our own steam. And the pain of regret for not doing something and wishing we'd done it is always going to be worse than the frustration and and hardship of, of doing them. So if you're procrastinating about something, make sure you make that commitment today and let me know as well. And I'll definitely be part of your challenger network. This human need for social connection is such a powerful one. And I had a series of questions come through which centered around this issue too. Mark asked, is working from home adversely affecting people's well-being? And Phil asked, I've lost my mojo after 10 weeks of working from home. And then I went back into the office to work with the team and that got me re-energized. So whether I'm working back at home or in the office, I've learned that I can't motivate myself all the time on my own. I definitely need that sort of social pressure to get me going. So both Mark and Phil, some really interesting points there about the role of, of teams in motivating us. And I think the danger is that social distance or social isolation is that we spend the whole day in our own heads. And very often we need other people's company or positive reinforcement or debate to bounce those ideas around and just check that we're on the right path. And this sense of belonging is a huge intrinsic motivator in high-performing teams. So let's go back to Black Fern's rugby legend, Anna Richards, to hear what she thinks about the role of community and, and family in those people we work with. I think emotion is very important, especially when you're, you're trying to get um, a hard work. I know with the New Zealand Sevens team at the moment, they um, call themselves the New Zealand Sisters. So it's a very family orientated thing and they, they go out there and it's about looking after each other on and off the pitch. Uh, and working for each other and it's you know sevens is a very hard team sport very hard out on the pitch but you don't want to let anybody down because that's your family and so we have kind of the same culture in the black friends as well we see ourselves as a family and and you work for each other you you never you never leave anybody by themselves you you're always looking after each other and uh, yeah it's a very extended family type of thing So while the pandemic has given people the opportunity to work from home and regain control of their work-life balance and focus, many people still feel isolated. And like the New Zealand women's rugby team, this emotional bond between the players provides stability and and galvanises people together during turbulent times. It's almost like a family unit. So being away from that can negatively impact some people. So we need to understand that even if you feel like working from home has given you a chance to run and, you know, spend time with the kids, that's great. But it may be that people in your team 
are really struggling with that. I often think you can define a culture of a team by how they treat the people who are isolated or struggling for form. For example, a footballer, a professional footballer that experiences a shock injury, tears their ligaments and they're out for six months. They're out of the dressing room. They're out of the banter. They're out of the buzz. They sit with their leg immobilised in plaster, in silence. Do their teammates visit them in hospital? Do they keep them included in the WhatsApp group? Or are they too focused on Saturday's match and their own personal agenda? Similarly for our businesses, are we checking in with those other people in our teams to see how they're coping? Not about the work deadline, but about life. Great teams have these incredibly strong social bonds that maintains the mental health and also the performance. It's something for us all to reflect on. Will the return to the office boost our social bonds? And are we doing enough to nurture those bonds as we work in isolation? The final set of questions came from James and Helen, who both asked, how can we maintain our motivation after a slump? Maybe the start of the week was productive, but then we get stuck in the mud. Well, I hope Sir Dave Brailsford's insights at the beginning gave you some reassurance that this happens to even the most revered Olympians. So here are a few practical tips, especially for those who've got a pen and paper ready. Maybe it's balancing that work and recovery in the early part of the week that could play a part in keeping our energy high towards the back end of it. Maybe Anna Richards' point about you know, getting those short-term goals and priorities could be a good way to make sure that we're seeing progress being made and that'll keep our motivation up. Perhaps we could segment the week into chapters to give us a new focus each day. I remember speaking to a marathon runner a few years ago who dedicated five-mile blocks of the race to each of his loved ones. So the first five miles, he was doing it for his daughter or his son, and that rotated. So it allowed him to do it for them, as it were, and it brought him a a different reason to be motivated on that day. So perhaps we could do something like that. Or maybe it's that competitive element or that social element that could keep us on our toes if we, you know, build a timeline and try and build that and race some of our colleagues in the workplace to get something done. I really feel like I'm letting you down by not having some shiny inspirational slogan or catchphrase that will make it all feel all right during this dark time. Well, firstly, that's not my style. And secondly, it'd probably be a load of bollocks if I did. So I'd rather be honest with you. I've told you that my motivation has come and gone in recent weeks. And and this insight actually from Olympic champion and, and president of the IAAF, Lord Coe, helps me when I need a little reminder that striving to be successful isn't as glamorous as we might think from the outside. I think the athletes that really reach the very highest level have an insatiable desire to find out about themselves. They're they're not satisfied about leaving it, you know, just short of the bend. They want to know what's round the bend, even frankly, if they can't see it sometimes. Uh, and, and, And secondly, it is just the ability to unremittingly grind out the work, knowing that you, not every morning you wake up, is it going to be the most exciting day of your life? Uh, there is nothing at the end of that day that is going to be flashbulbs and, and headlines. And you may only get 
those three or four times during the course of a two or even a three year period. It's just the ability to get up in the morning and know that by seven o'clock that morning, you're probably going to have done 10 miles and you just grind it out. It's the bread and butter stuff. It's the ability to deal with that consistently that makes the difference. So there's very few people seeing the red carpets and flashing lights at the moment. We're all grafting and trying to hold it together. But the key that I take from this insight is that champions keep moving forward. They keep learning and they stay committed to their long-term aspirations. Having that purpose or that fire inside you that keeps burning is absolutely essential. And for champions, they turn episodes of adversity and setbacks into fuel almost as if they're throwing another log onto the fire and they've got another reason to be successful. I really hope that you found these insights from our digital library useful and they've resonated for your deeper perspective on, on maintaining your mojo and motivation. Thanks to everyone for their questions. I hope those that sent questions in have found them useful in the answers and the insights that I've picked. And if you do have any more questions then send them through to me on LinkedIn or at hello at sportingedge.com. I'm sure these tough times will pass and we'll look back at how we cope during this period and we'll have a new reference point for our resilience. The reason I became fascinated about psychology was because as an England cricketer, I put myself under so much pressure, even more than the opposition did. And I hadn't really been coached any mental strategies. So my performance changed day to day, depending on how my mindset was. So hearing these real-life stories from world-class performers who've made it and got to the top really gives me confidence in that mental battle and, and trying to build that in to be a, a stronger skill set. We're all running our own race, but as you're starting to see, there's definitely a set of mental skills and approaches which can help us to be happier, healthier and more successful. And that's why I'm really excited to be able to give you personal access to our digital library soon. So that you can find the topics and the people that resonate with your current challenges rather than having to wait for me to develop a podcast. I definitely will be guiding you through our members club and it's progressing really well. There's actually some sample content on our website. So if you go to sportingedge.com forward slash membership, I'd love to invite you to join this community of the world's best thinkers and performers. You'll have access to over 600 of these short videos 24-7 on any device and you can navigate your way through about 80 different personal and professional challenges. So we're launching it in a few weeks and we'll have definitely a special introductory price for the founder members. So please do come through to sportingedge.com forward slash membership and you can add your name to the waiting list. Whether you're in sport, coaching, you're an entrepreneur or you're a corporate executive, I really hope you're staying positive during this challenging time and I hope this podcast has done that little bit to help you maintain your mojo. Until next time, good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.